The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. My name is Becky, by the way. I'm on staff here in University Ministries, and I have the privilege tonight of introducing our speaker, who is the fifth and final intern to speak this year. And, yeah, it's true. It's true what they say. We save the best for last around here. Sorry, other interns. Um, but uh, I first got to meet Kelly Divesta, tonight's speaker, when she was assigned to be in my core group three years ago. And uh, Kelly quickly became one of the most uh, dedicated and, and what we like to call, and I've, I've told Kelly this, the glue of our core group, which she's really been the glue of our staff this year as well. And what that means is that she is dedicated and loyal and just really willing to work with anybody and works well with anybody, a variety of personalities. But I would say what I appreciate the most about Kelly and appreciated the most about Kelly in core group especially is that she would eat anything I put in front of her. So I never felt bad about the snacks I was providing for my core group. She always made me feel like I was providing a very wonderful, delectable dinner or something. So I really appreciate that about Kelly. Nonetheless, she she never ended up I have a star chart in my core group, and somehow Kelly never ended up getting any stars. So she's going to have to explain that, I guess. But uh, truly, you guys have the pleasure to hear from Kelly tonight as she shares with you from the book of Proverbs. So please welcome up Kelly Divesta. And thank you, Becky, for that amazing introduction. Um, I do have to say I ate everything she put in front of me because I was coming off of four hours of practice every day, and I was hungry. <laughs> uh, and also, the star chart really didn't mean much because my treasure's in heaven. So it's fine. <laughs> anyway, so you guys have gotten the chance to meet all of the interns this year, hang out with us, and I feel as though now that the year's coming to a close, you guys have all kind of made your own definition of each of the interns. You know, Tom is the guy that plays music, does some crazy things. Jordan's a Greek guy. Tyler's the uh, trailer, a Portland, Portland Trailblazers fan. Jen's the fifth intern. And I... <laughs> sorry, Jen. Um, and I am the pole vaulter. Um, however, I think the problem with that definition is that not a lot of people actually know what pole vaulting is. And so for those of you that may not know, I was um, spent four years on the track team at UW, and that was all of my life. Whoop, whoop. Uh, anyway, but the funniest thing that I get when people ask what pole vault is, is they're like, oh, is that the thing that you take the stick and you throw it? And I kind of stop and look at them blankly and go, no, that's the javelin. Uh, has nothing in the title or the event of poles and vaulting, but whatever. Um, or my favorite is people are like, oh, the pole vault, that's where you like, and they like grab a pole in their hand and like actually do the motions, and it, it's really not pole vaulting whatsoever. Anyway, so I'm here tonight to give you kind of a lesson on pole vaulting, pole vaulting 101, if you will. Um, and so I have three video clips that I'm going to show you that um, I really feel like help 
to um, explain pole vaulting. And I, before I show the first one, I just want to say that pole vaulting actually started way, way back when, um, as <laughs> I don't know how many years ago, um, but it was actually you jumped over moats to get into, um, into battle. So it was actually more of a distance event than it was a height event, what it is today. So before I go any further, let's watch this clip from some people that I think give us a good way of how pole vaulting started. I cannot explain to you the, how incredible of a feeling it is to clear a bar that you've never cleared before and just be up there, however many feet in the, in the air that you are, trusting your life in the hands of this fiberglass pole and coming down and just knowing that you've done the best you've ever done before. Um, I often explain it as the closest feeling I will ever get to find. And I have to tell you that it is absolutely the most incredible feeling in the world. So I wanted to give you a bit of an insight into my life through college and pole vaulting uh, because I relate everything to pole vaulting in my life. And so I'm hoping that this will kind of help you track with me throughout the night. So we've been going through a mini-series here at the Inn on the Proverbs and um, how the Proverbs give us wisdom that guides us in discernment and decision-making. Last week, John Epps looked at a definition of what wisdom is and really challenged us that we need um, to be working towards wisdom now in our life. So this week, I'm going to continue on in that conversation about making wise decisions. Um, And I believe that we are in college essentially to figure out uh, one question, and that is what we are doing. Whether it be this summer, next year, when we graduate, but essentially what are we doing with our lives? I remember throughout my first three years of school, I always asked the seniors what they were doing after they graduated, thinking I was being such a good friend, taking a genuine interest in their life. Um, it, just, it just seems like a natural question to ask. And then my senior year hit, and I realized how much I absolutely hated that question. I, I honestly began to avoid conversations because I, I didn't want anyone to ask me that question. And I, uh, I could, couldn't tell another person that I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Or my favorite question that always follows, what did you graduate in, Kelly, is Latin American studies, huh? What does one do with that degree? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I still don't know. I'm not really sure why I even majored in that, but I did, so whatever. Uh, (laughs) to, To this day, I still hate that question. The internship is mere weeks from ending, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Everyone wants to know what I'm doing, and I don't know. It's senior year all over again. But so tonight, I want to look at another question, not what we are doing, but I want, us, I want to ask, what is Jesus doing with your life? Instead of always having the focus on us, I want to broaden our focus and look towards our Creator and take a moment to see that our lives are not our own. We belong to something so much bigger. I think when we start making plans for the future with Christ as the center, it's going to transform the way we look at success and ultimately how we view our future. When we step out in grace, we will run into the arms of Jesus, risking everything we have to be closer to our Creator. And it is in those decisions that we find we are living life to the fullest. Let's pray before we get started. God, I come to you um, humbly to you today, knowing that you know what I need in my life. I ask tonight that you will push me out of the way, God, and put yourself in my place. I ask that... My words will not be my own, but they will be yours, and you will speak loud and clear to everyone here. Thank you so much for your presence, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So when Ryan first told me that I'd be speaking on the Proverbs, I was a little scared because I honestly know nothing about the Proverbs. So I set out to become an expert that all in, in the Proverbs. So uh, after I initially read through them, I have to tell you that I hated them. <laughs> uh, I felt like I was reading a list of duh verbs, which are Proverbs that I've deemed that make you say duh. Uh, they are just common sense to me. Uh, and so many of them just seemed unimportant. Let me give you a couple examples of what I was going through. Uh, Proverbs 15, 17. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. What a silly analogy. You've got to be kidding me. Honestly, we're relating love to food here. Although, I think maybe Mike McAvoy should consider this proverb when he's reviewing restaurants for Voyage to the Ab. <laughs> and places like Veggie Veggie probably would have gotten a much better score. <laughs> or Proverbs 16:31. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained by a righteous life. I hesitate to even bring this proverb up because I don't want Ryan Church's head to get even bigger as it already is as his gray hair begins to show, claiming he's lived such a righteous life. I, I, can, I can see it now. My gray hair is a sign of my righteousness. Don't mess with the R. Although, if this is true, Jamie's hair is probably going to begin to show gray well before Ryan's is. <laughs> So, as I continued to digest the Proverbs, I discovered that I hated them not for these reasons, but that, um, but that because I was reading a huge list of ways I had fallen short. As I realized, I realized I was, as I read, I realized I was never going to be able to reach the level of holiness that the Proverbs call us to. And for that, I hated the Proverbs. I came to a place where I had nothing left to do but run into the arms of Jesus and for the first time in my life, honestly accept his grace in my life. I came to a place of understanding and began to appreciate the Proverbs for so much more. So I want to share you a little bit of context um, of the Proverbs that helped me move to this place of grace. Historians tell us that King Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs and that he was acclaimed throughout the Bible as a very, very wise dude. Uh, People came from all over to hear him speak, and when he spoke, people listened to him. If I had more time, I'd go more into the story, but I want to encourage you guys, if you're interested, to read 1 Kings chapters 3 and 4 to learn more about Solomon. So we know that Solomon wrote the Proverbs, which is a form of Hebrew poetry, uh, to set forth a skillful approach to daily living. Many of the Jews in this time were uh, were living in complete obedience to the law, However, they may not have been leaving, leaving a full life. Uh, the Proverbs apply to, or the Proverbs were written, sorry, to, um, to, to bring about this sense of fulfillment. And they apply to God's principles to the whole of life, to relationships, to work, to decisions, and essentially everything man says and thinks. I believe the wisdom of the Proverbs are timeless because people are essentially the same. Um, We have the same desires, fears, and ultimate goals as the original audience of this poetry. As I read, I found a general theme of pride, uh, which I felt related well to this series. Pride will lead us into humility, and I think that through humility, we will see how to live completely in the grace of God, recognizing our need for him in our daily life and decisions. Um, So I have a couple proverbs that I found that uh, talk about pride. Proverbs 16, 18. 
Pride and haughtiness lead to destruction and a fall. It is the cause of one's downfall. And very similar to this, Proverbs 18.12. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Let's take a step back uh, for a second and look at the definition of pride. A prideful person usually regards himself as the most important person around. And their significance and feeling of love depends on being above others. This can either be manifested in too high or too low self-esteem, but either way is an obsession with one's own value. I want to share with you a time in my life uh, that before downfall, my heart was proud. The reason I actually got into pole vaulting was because I was a gymnast my whole life. And so um, going into my freshman year, I decided I wanted to be on my high school gymnastics team. And uh, since I'd done gymnastics since I was seven, I was one of the better girls on the team. And so one day at practice, it was, uh, there was a lightning storm coming into Colorado Springs, the town that I grew up in, and the entire football team had to come into the gym we were practicing in to uh, watch our practice. So here I am as a little freshman, ready to prove myself in high school in my little gymnastics leotard, thinking I'm hot stuff. Um, and our first event that we were working on was a vault that day, which, for those of you that don't know, is the event that you run down a runway, jump off a springboard onto the vault and do some sort of flip off and land. So I get to the back of the runway and I, I just start booking it. Like I'm sprinting as fast as I possibly can. And I, halfway down the runway, I'm like, yeah, everyone's eyes in the gym are on me. I know it. I, I know that they're impressed with my uh, speed and agility, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, as I get closer to the vault, I speed up and me being the clumsy freshman that I am and hadn't quite grown into myself, uh, grown into everything that I was yet, um, my feet trip up right as I'm about to hit the springboard and I go flying full force, bam, into the vault. The vault shakes, literally shakes, and I fall to the ground and the whole gym in unison goes, oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm lying on the ground heaving because I just knocked the wind out of myself. <laughs> Thinking to myself, well, there goes my cool exterior. <laughs> awesome. So after I recovered, I finally stood up, and the whole gym just starts clapping for me. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. Probably one of the more embarrassing moments of my life, and I was the talk of the school for the next uh, couple days after that. <laughs> Before a downfall, a man's heart is proud. Boy, was that statement true in my case. If I had been humble about my gymnastics abilities and not felt the need to impress 80 high school boys, probably would have landed my vault perfectly, and the honor of the best gymnast in the school would have been given to me. Instead, <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> Instead, I will be forever known as the girl that biffed it. Hardcore. Awesome. I make light of this situation to help us move into a better understanding of humility. Like I found myself while I was lying on the floor of the gym, we see that pride interferes with how we view ourselves in God's eyes. We will look to others to tell us that we are worthy. But when we find true humility, our lives will be radically changed. Humility is finding one's worth securely in God's unearned favor or grace. We become people who think of ourselves exactly as we are in the grace of God. We don't put ourselves down, avoid compliments, or play the martyr. Our status compared to others doesn't matter much because our value in God's eyes is a settled issue.
And we'll move now to a passage in Philippians, Philippians 2 through 11, that I really think uh, to look to Christ that gives us a clear example of humility. So if I could have the voice of the inn read for, this, for me, please. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be that should be the same of that as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every name should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In this passage, we see a perfect example of humility in Christ. Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He knew exactly who he was, no more, no less. Although he was the Son of God, he never thought that he could be equal to God in power. Never were his decisions about himself. He recognized God's plan was bigger than himself. And so he made the risky decision to follow God to the cross taking each of our sins upon himself. But that's not the end of the story. God redeemed the situation and rose Jesus from the dead, exalting him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I love this next part. To the glory of God the Father. Christ's humility becomes complete in that last line. Everything he did was for God's glory. Coming to earth, teaching the ways of the law, dying on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and then rising again three days later to sit at the right hand of God was all done for the glory of God, so that God's name would be lifted up. In our own lives, we have two choices we can make. We can continue onward on our own, making our own path, and never fully understanding the love and grace of God. Or we can bring Christ to the center of our lives and step out in humility, resting confidently in God's undeserving grace. Like Jesus, this is going to be the decision that causes us to risk our lives for God, for our Father, but also the decision that causes us to run further into the arms of our Creator. I believe the first step in living a humble life is to believe first and foremost that God's grace is for us, as much as it is for everyone else. And when we can rest fully in that grace, confident of who we are in God, it is then that we will not feel the pressures to impress the world and gain our self-worth from others. So that we can put ourselves before others and love God's children as God loved us. This will transform the way we look at our lives. We will begin to make plans for the future uh, and find our self-worth in Jesus and do whatever it is that we need to do to live for the glory of God, our Father. And when we accept God's grace in our lives, 
we will be inviting in a true relationship with Jesus. In my own life, I have fallen short of this life of humility. I told you a little earlier about Indoor Nationals last year. I can honestly tell you that was the best moment of my life. I literally was on top of the world. Um, However, as indoor season ended and outdoor season began, it became a much different story. Uh, Outdoor season for me started out a little slow. Uh, My focus just didn't feel like it was in the right place. Um, However, as crucial meets like Pac-10s and regionals and nationals approached, I felt like I was finally getting my focus where it needed to be because pole vault is as much mental as it is physical. And I could tell that I was ready to jump high. I knew it. Like, you you just get this feeling. After all your hard work, you know that it's going to happen. However, about a month and a half uh, to the end of season, I started experiencing pain in my right Achilles. Um, which, in, which is my takeoff leg. And so in the pole vault, your uh, takeoff leg is essentially the most important um, body part, I guess, if you will, um, because when your takeoff leg breaks down, the rest of your vault breaks down. So um, I continued to work through the pain, thinking I could do it. I just had a, you know, a month and a half left the season. But each day the pain increased. And I got to the point that I could hardly walk around without any pain. And running was so much worse. <clears throat> so um, I guess I basically ended up not practicing for the last month of season or so. And I went into regionals just praying that I was going to make it through. For those of you that may not know, regionals is, in my mind, one of the most important meets of the year because you have to jump at that meet in order to qualify for nationals. And nationals inevitably falls the week of graduation every year. So as everyone else is preparing for their department graduations and the commencement ceremony, I was doing none of that because I was convinced I wasn't going to be in Seattle for my graduation. Ever since my freshman year, it was my dream to spend graduation at nationals. So I went into regionals on a ton of pain medication. And for the first time in a month and a half, I couldn't feel anything, which was great. Um, I was running around. It was awesome. But... (laughs) The problem with that, though, is that just because I had pain medication doesn't mean that the problem went away. I ended up not even clearing a bar at regionals. In three short jumps, my dreams were shattered. I had envisioned the end of my collegiate career to be full of glory and success. Instead, I was left with shattered dreams, nothing to show for myself but a bum Achilles that still causes me problems today, a year later. This still affects me. I can't understand why God would take away something I had worked so hard for. I had labored for four years, and all the plans I made for myself were gone. In a few short moments, I felt as though all my hard work had been for naught, and I was a failure in so many people's eyes, including God's. I worked as hard as I could and was burdened with the fact that my best just wasn't good enough. But that's the thing. My best isn't good enough. But Jesus' best is. I need Jesus to rescue me. I need the grace of God to pull me through. I can do nothing to earn honor in God's sight. Nothing but accept his gift of life that he so graciously gives us. I don't have to try to impress anymore because my life is secure in Jesus. I can stop, take a breath, and rest in that kind of grace. 
Um, so I ended up being in Seattle for my graduation. I was too late to sign up for any of the ceremonies, but honestly, I was okay with that because I couldn't bear to sit through a three-hour ceremony that I was never supposed to be at. My family came out to spend the weekend with me and show me that they still love me despite my self-perceived failure. Uh, I would like to tell you that it was a great weekend. I had tons of fun and really enjoyed it and never once thought about nationals, but I can't do that. It was perhaps one of the hardest few days of my life. But the incredible thing that came out of that was that I saw that people didn't think I was a failure because I didn't end my college career with a big bang, becoming all-American again, jumping higher than I ever had in my life. To most people, pole vaulting was just a thing I did to occupy my time. And for the first time in my life, I couldn't hide behind pole vaulting to find my self-worth. My true colors were revealed. The verdict was out. And I found that people love me for exactly who I am. No more, no less. I would say Jesus has been doing a huge work in my life this year. Showing me that I deserve grace too, even though I didn't believe it for myself. And when I truly accept that grace in my life, I am ushering God into into my life. And my life, past, present, and future, can be done for the glory of God our Father, not for my own. I want to take a moment to look back in the Proverbs right now, in the part that I think paints a beautiful picture of God's grace in our lives. Proverbs 18:16. A gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of great. When we give God the gifts of our lives, it ushers us into the presence of Christ's greatness. However, I believe that this gift of grace also ushers him into our presence. Grace, as it relates to the Bible, is ultimately a testament of God's unfailing love and acceptance of us. And in a world where we will never be good enough, God, through his son Jesus Christ, has come to aid all who trust in him with their lives. In our lives, grace is a proclamation, a way of life, where we rely totally on Jesus to work within us, experiencing God's unlimited power, which vitalizes and enables us to live. For one of our staff devos this year, Jordan, one of the interns, read to us from a booklet called My Heart, Christ's Home. Uh, At first, we were all a little skeptical of it because, honestly, it looked a little cheesy. (laughs) Um, And despite some of its cheesiness, uh, it was one of the most profound things I had heard. And really... Uh, challenged me to re-examine my relationship with Christ. Let me set the scene for you a bit. The author is talking about how when we first become Christians, we take time for Jesus. He paints an image of Jesus being in the living room of our home by a warm fire. It is in this room that the two of us spend each morning together asking questions and studying the Bible. However, as time goes on and the busyness of our lives take over, we begin to spend less and less time with Jesus. In the part that I want to read you, we are on our way out the door to run on to our next thing. And we realize that Jesus is in the living room with the fire going. This is what follows. I stopped, turned, and hesitantly went in. With downcast glance, I said, Master, I'm so sorry. Have you been here every morning? Yes, he said. I told you I would be here to meet with you. I was even more ashamed. He had been faithful in spite of my faithlessness. I asked him to forgive me, and he did, as he always does when we acknowledge our failures and want to do the right thing. He said, 
The trouble is that you have been thinking of the quiet time of Bible study and prayer as a means for your own spiritual growth. This is true, but you have forgotten that this time means something to me also. Remember, I love you. At a great cost, I have redeemed you. I value your fellowship. Just to have you look up into my face warms my heart. Don't neglect this hour, if only for my sake. Whether or not you want to be with me, remember, I want to be with you. I really love you. A gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. This is so powerful. Christ wants to spend time with me, Kelly DeVesta. The grace of God is a two-sided street. It is much for us as it is for God. God loves us so much, and he wants to be more than just guests in our, in our lives. He wants to be the center of our lives. He wants us to come to him in a time of joy, in time of need, in time of loneliness, in time of celebration, in time of rest and busyness, in time of uncertainty, in everything. How often do we forget Jesus in the midst of our running around in our daily lives? Or at the beginning of the quarter, make time for God, and then as midterms and finals approach, drop our time with Jesus. Or forget Jesus because we want to hang out with our friends. How often do we make decisions without inviting Jesus into the process? As summer is just a few weeks away and graduation is looming ahead of us, we need to remember that God wants to be part of our past, present, and future. I want you to ask yourself, are you risking your life to run further into the arms of Jesus? Are you in true humility, living your life for the glory of God our Father? If not, what needs to change in your life to do that? What do you need to risk that may seem difficult, but that you know will challenge and grow your faith? Are you sitting in what is easy and comfortable, or are you stepping out in faith, confident in the grace of God, knowing that he has your life in his hands and wants you to be living for the glory of his name? How does your future become less about you and more about Jesus. I think we can all take a lesson from my sport. In pole vault, the pole represents the grace of God in our lives. We need to cling to that so that we can soar into the presence of our king. Without the pole in our hands, we are nothing. We can hardly jump four feet off the ground. But when we put our trust and our faith in the grace of God and risk everything we have, to run down the runway and vault ourselves into the air. It is then that we will, be, we will find we'll be living life to the fullest, living in the embrace of our Creator, living for the glory of God. It is absolutely the most incredible feeling in the world. Let's pray. Gracious God, we need you. We can't do this on our own. We will ask that you become the center of our lives so we can live for the glory of your name. Thank you so much for your grace in our lives. Show us what areas of our life we need to surrender and risk for you. Thank you so much for all we do, all you do. We love you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen.